about what we said last week, but we noticed that, that of the messages, um, probably in the last six months, this one seemed to be shared the most, which tells me that there's a lot of people that have been hurt by the church. Yeah, so um, a lot of people sending it to friends, etc. Um, as I said last week, um, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've hurt people in the past. From, from a church leadership perspective, it is by no means something that we have not been guilty of ourselves, and I want to be very clear about that. Um, we are doing our absolute best that people don't get hurt, but I know for a fact that there have been people um, that have been hurt even here over the years. But our idea is once we know better, we do better. And so we're trying to know better so that we can do better, so that we can love all people as well as we possibly can. And, um, and that, I promise you, is on our, our um, priority list. Um, so a couple things. Uh, we, we wanted to break down the four steps of healing for, for church hurt. And, and really what we called it last week is we said, really, it's not church hurt, it's church abuse. And that was kind of the first step is let's call it what it is. It's not just hurt, it's abuse, right? I can fall down and skin my knee. That's hurt. Uh, that's an accident. That's something that was unintentional. But a lot of the situations that have caused people to walk away from the church and from God can only be classified as systematic abuse. And, um, and a system that's designed ultimately to, at times, um, control people, to keep people quiet, to keep people from asking questions, to keep people feel like they're on the verge of hell, so they need to get in line and do what they're told. And I want to tell you this, even though I am the pastor here at the church, and I am, you know, I have some sort of spiritual authority here, I, I don't have an authority over your life. Amen. Do you hear me? I, I don't have an authority over your life. I don't, I don't, I don't have uh, an authority over your journey of faith. I'm not the one here that determines whether you go to heaven or not or any of that stuff. I, I'm not here... To really, I don't hold that office over anyone here. I don't believe that's the biblical part of being a pastor. I think my God, my job is to simply guide you to better understandings, and the way that we do that is by asking better questions. I'm here to ask better questions and to help you learn to ask better questions, and that's simply about it. If, if you think that um, I have authority over your life, um, you're going to be really, 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 really disappointed. I don't. You say, well, that's not how I grew up. The pastor had authority. Yeah, that's how pastors have gotten away with so many terrible things. So they were elevated to a position of authority that was, at times, this is true. My parents grew up in a system, um, not, not of their own, but they grew up in a system where they were told that if the pastor, who has a spiritual authority over you, asks you to do something, or not to do something. And they are wrong when it comes to it being biblical. That you follow the advice of the pastor, even though it's biblically wrong, and that the pastor will be the one that answers to God for telling you what to do was wrong. So it gave the pastor a higher authority over those that attend to the church than God himself and his word and intention for people. And this is still prevalent to this day. You can question God, but
and don't question the pastor because he has spiritual or she has spiritual authority over your life. Speaking of which, I want to make it very clear, we believe as a church that you can be a female and be a pastor. So a woman, duly qualified, can take my job. For the rest of you that didn't clap, let me explain to you something. This is going to be a hard sermon for you, all right? A woman, duly qualified, can take my job. Okay? Why am I saying this? Well, this week I saw... Yeah, I'm serious. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> no. Why did I say this week? Well, because one of the most prominent leaders in the evangelical world this week answered the following question this way. He was asked, um, what would you say to somebody who is in a church that has a female pastor? His response was, well, first of all, they don't have a pastor. I'm going to be a bad boy and tell you it was John MacArthur. Hugely influential. Then he went on to misquote out-of-context scriptures, and a room full of both men and women applauded him for dehumanizing and making women be second class. Now, I'm going to be a little more graphic than I like to be, but I don't believe that spiritual giftings, anointing, and authority only rest on people with certain genitalia. Do you hear me today? Anyone else going to be with me on that one? I mean, we are anatomically different, and therefore, what? You can't stand up here and deliver the word of God to people? That's nonsense and silly. We are all children of God, and we all have the same, come on, the same opportunities in the kingdom of God. Amen? just lost six followers online. Okay, let's do this. I'm just kidding. Um, um, so the, the two steps we went over last week is, number one, let's stop calling it hurt and let's refer to it for what it is, and that is it's church abuse. Number two, uh, we made it clear last week that, um, that we have to, the second step to recovering from hurt is to separate church hurt or church abuse from God's character. So we went through the scriptures, and we were, if you, if you didn't see this, go back and watch it. It's on Facebook, it's on YouTube, it's on, on everything, a podcast, blah, blah, blah. It's on all of it. So you can go back and listen to it. But we, we kind of systematically went through some scriptures that we could, we could dial in what really is God's heart for all of us. And it definitely isn't that people would feel abused, manipulated, controlled, taken advantage of in the church. Definitely not. As a matter of fact, we, we summed it up this way. God loves justice, mercy, humility. He's for the poor in spirit, the grief-stricken, the humble, the brokenhearted, the peacemakers. He stands against the proud. He is love. And the sign of his presence is accomplished by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And anything that doesn't look like that is in God. Amen? So you say, here's my church story. Do you think I was abused? Do you think that I was done wrong? Well, if it doesn't look like that, the answer is yes. And let's call it what it is so that we can begin to move on from it and deal with it. So here's the, the, the next two steps, steps three and four. This is not comprehensive by any means. This is a big rabbit trail you can go down. There's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. But I spent some time researching both within 
the faith world, but also within the secular world with, with really smart psychologists and people that study the brain and behavior and kind of their ideas, and I brought them kind of together under one document here so that I could hopefully deliver you something that was well-balanced. Um, but they, those that specifically deal with uh, faith trauma and religious trauma, and, and uh, most of them kind of have a lot of the same steps, but I, I, I boiled it down to this. The next two things that are very important is step three is recover your power. Recover your power. Anytime, not just in church, but anytime somebody suffers abuse, usually their power is taken from them. They feel powerless in the situation. They don't feel like they can fight back. And so part of the process of healing is realizing that you actually can take back your power that was taken from you. For generations in the church, we'd have a woman who was being abused by her, her husband, and the church would not, and he might be an elder or a deacon, and she'd come to church with a black eye, and everybody thought it was laud in her because she was so full of faith because she didn't leave him, and she kept praying for him at the altar. And, and we, we found a way to justify and condone things like that, and, and when she's being lauded and, uh, and appreciated and seen to be this great woman of faith who is keeping her vows and enduring the worst because she loves her husband so much, we take her the power away from her to leave because we say, if you leave and if you decide I'm no longer going to be beaten, um, then you're going to lose your entire community. So really, we leave her with no choice but to stay. That's just one of a thousand different situations where power is taken from people and there is a process where we have to recover our power. And so I wrote down a couple things. I'm going to read them to you because I'll do better than just um, rambling on here. But you have to prioritize your own emotional recovery first. It is not selfish to admit this is taken, whatever you've endured, has taken an emotional toll on my life. It has negatively affected my emotions. It, it's okay to admit that you know, I, I've been damaged emotionally because of this. It's not a sign of weakness to admit that something has affected me at my very core. And so it's not your job to necessarily have empathy in that moment um, for those in power who hurt you. A lot of times, one of the classic gaslighting techniques that we see all over the place, but especially in religious circles, is the minute somebody's done wrong and they're starting to deal with that, we always like to say to them, but you know, that person who hurt you deserves forgiveness too. We immediately go to that. We haven't even addressed the hurt. We haven't even addressed the issue. We haven't addressed the original wound. We're already demanding that that person jump past the fact that they felt powerless, that they have a wound, that they're hurt, that they have this real deep thing that they're trying to deal with, we jump past that, we skip over it, and we go immediately to, let's protect the guy in power and make sure that you forgive them so we can say, well, she or he forgave them and it's okay. No, I am preaching some truth this morning. He said, Dan, how do you know? I've grown up in it. I've seen behind the curtain. I've grown up in it. I've been around the who's who of this world in, in, in religion. I could drop some names right now, and I'd love to do that, but I'm not going to. 
I've had the privilege of being around, well, sometimes not the privilege, but I've had the opportunity to be around a lot of very, very prominent, powerful voices in specifically the Christian faith world. And I'm telling you, when I see behind the curtain, these are some things that go on. Because people see the gifting and the platform and the number of people um, that the person is influencing and touching is too big to touch over one person that was hurt. And it goes against the idea of the 99 and the 1. To prioritizing your own emotional recovery first. Um, and and, and, then, and the, the, I want to make this clear. There may be time for forgiveness and reconciliation down the road, but it's not step one. No counselor, therapist, psychologist worth their salt is going to tell you step one is reconcile with the person that hurts you. It's not. It's not the first step. And if somebody's demanding that that be step one, they probably don't give a rip about what you're actually dealing with. Is this okay today, church? Next week I'm going to preach about butterflies, rainbows, and happy dances, okay? But this is helping some people, all right? Um, the other part of the, this number three, this recovering your power, is seek, this is going to hurt some feelings, but remember, I'm hurting my own feeling here, okay? Seek support outside of the church that hurts you. Sometimes, even though people mean well, even though they believe they're doing the right thing, sometimes an environment becomes toxic enough that you're never going to get help inside of it, you have to go outside of it and get a perspective outside of it that doesn't have any chips on the table. Find help outside of it. And sometimes that will lead you to somebody who doesn't even have a grid for faith. A counselor, a therapist, somebody who is trained to deal with people that have suffered stuff like this. Go get help. Don't, don't set yourself up for a deeper wound. Part of recovering your power is I'm stepping outside of this crazy, you know, box here. I'm going to step outside of this box, and I'm going to go outside of this crazy, chaotic sphere of whatever is happening here that sometimes can be full of manipulation and all the things we've been talking about and get help outside. It is a healthy thing to go outside of that world that hurts you to find some help. Somebody who doesn't have anything to gain or lose from helping you. And calling a spade a spade, telling you this is what you've endured and gone through. And, 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 and the, the last part I'm going to highlight when it comes to recovering your power is very important, and I want to say this to you. If you are going to confront, if you are going to try to reconcile, if you're going to try to have a conversation with the person that hurts you, and if, especially if they are in authority and leadership position, don't do it alone. Go with a system of support of people that can hear what you're saying, can interpret. Because when somebody has a position of authority over you, okay, I'm going to use Michael as an example, okay? They, they use their position to intimidate. So they will get close, and they'll put their hand on you. Oh, I'm getting real with you now. And they'll let you know it's their way of saying, your boundaries as a person, emotionally and physically, they don't apply to me. So they'll get close, and immediately you feel like, wait, he's touching me, she's touching me, what's going on here? 
You need to have people that go with you that you can have that conversation and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Please don't be a line of five people after this one to talk to me, okay? I'm unavailable, all right? I need to talk to you because some things were said or done that hurt me, and I need to deal with it with you. It's healthy to bring a support system along. All three of these things I mentioned are part of taking back your power. All three of them. I'm going to real gracefully just step right up. Powerful. It's like a, it's like a big cat. So, prioritize your own emotional recovery first. Seek support outside the church. A way to communicate until you have a strong network. Step four is this, and this is the hardest one. Like, first we call it what it is. It's abuse. Not in all cases, but in most cases. Step two is let's try to separate. You know, God's character and what he wants for you versus what, what, what you've endured in the name of God. Step three is recovering your power. Step four is this. This is a hard one. <laughs> Reclaim your spiritual practices. We, we oftentimes abandon everything because we're not quite sure what part of this hurt me. So we just throw the whole thing out. We just get rid of it all. And and these spiritual practices, and, and it could be a lot of different things, but, but, but whatever it is that connects you with God, these things in our life that, that we are familiar with that actually have been a good thing in our life, we can oftentimes get rid of because we're just trying so desperately to heal the hurt and the pain. And so we go, well, we can't do that anymore. So for instance, like, Maybe somebody prayed over you and the, and the prayer went like this. They're like, you know, we, we're going to pray for Charlene, everybody. Let's pray. Everybody reach your hands out towards Charlene. And the prayer goes like this. And it goes, you know, Lord, I've heard this one before. The, the prophetic word of Charlene, let's say she's planning on moving back to Maryland or something, right? And then all of a sudden, the guy gets a prophetic word and it sounds like this. Let's just reach our hands out towards Charlene. She's having a real difficult time making a decision in her life. She's not. She's already made it. She's leaving. But we don't want her to leave because we just need her. Right? And then it's this. And they're praying, and everyone stretched their hand out. And then it's, thus saith the Lord. You want to run from the purpose of God in your life. But the Lord is saying, stay put and bloom where you're planted. And all this kind of stuff, right? So then... You know, later on down the road, that was better, Nan. Later on down the road, I'm going to build steps for this. Later on down the road, um, you, you, after you figure out, wait, I was manipulated in that moment. I don't think that was God. I was manipulated in that moment. And so later on down the road, what do we do? We, we associate even the idea of prayer or being around people praying with this negative thing. And we might throw prayer out the window altogether. So then we stop connecting with prayer because anything that feels like prayer feels like it's going to trigger that hurt in our life, and so we get rid of it altogether. Or maybe maybe you were told because of who you are or who you love or whatever it is that you can't receive communion because you're unworthy to receive communion. And then we, we have that happen to us, and then I've, I've had people come in here and say, I don't want to receive communion. And I say, why not? And they say, well, because, you know, this one time this thing happened with communion, and and I was embarrassed, and I went to go re- 
receive it. And they waved me off and said, no, you can't receive it here. And so they threw the whole spiritual practice out the door. And I'm saying, yeah, but like I'm ready to shove this cracker in your mouth, this juice down your throat, like nobody's business. Like you can have four of them if you want. Just come on. Like you are absolutely are wanting you to receive communion. <laughs> right? We're ready. We want you to, we want you to remember this sacrifice with all of us and all the meaning of it together. Like we are glad you're part of our community and they can't do it because they have this thing attached to it. So part of the healing process is what part of what I did that connected my heart to God have I thrown out and do I need to kind of reclaim and bring back into my life? And it might look different. Maybe prayer for you looks like a walk with a friend where you're just looking at beautiful nature and talking about how, talking about spiritual things and things that are on your heart and in your life. Maybe it's 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 writing in a journal. Maybe maybe you don't have the, 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 the at this point in your life, you don't have in your heart what you need to say it out of your mouth, maybe it's easier to write it in a journal. And so for you, that's your prayer, writing it in a journal. But don't abandon these things. Reclaim them because the people that misused some of these spiritual principles or practices in our lives, they, 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 don't, they don't deserve to have that kind of power over our life anymore. You've already hurt me. You've already taken, and you know, three quarters of my friend group away from me, or maybe all my friends, you've already kicked me out of a community I spent 20 years in, you've already done all of that, now you're going to also take prayer away from me, you're going to take, you're going to take, you know, being a part of a community of like-minded people away from me. Part of coming back to church with so many in this room have done, even in the last six months, if, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm not going to do it, but if I had people raise their hand in this room, that have returned to church in the last six months for the first time in years, you'd be shocked how many people in this room have returned to church. You'd be shocked. It's not like three or four. It's dozens of people in this room right now and a heck of a lot more that are watching online who have returned to church. And that's part of them reclaiming their spiritual practices. They're saying, it wasn't the idea of a community of believers that hurt me. It was the bad usage of some bad theology or somebody that wanted to exert power and control over me. And that's the part I'm rejecting and never getting involved in again. But getting back into church, getting back into developing some sort of language or talk with God and with heaven, beginning to do some of those things that you grew up doing that meant something to you. People, people come here and they go, I, I don't know if I should be baptized. No, don't abandon these things. I beg of you. As you heal, as you recover, as you get your power back, as you work through this stuff, let yourself let yourself have that experience again. Man, it is last baptism. I think we baptized 19 people, and at least half of the people we baptized were like scared out of their minds. And I was so excited—not that they were scared, but I was so excited. That would be weird, right? Yes, we got another scared one. Get him in the water quickly. Fill it up colder, colder. Do we have any ice? Do we have any ice? We do a little cold plunge baptism thing here. It's going to be great. You're going to recover your muscles and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit all at the same time. No. We, I'm so beautiful. It's like my heart, if you would have cut my heart open, it was like, it was just, oh, so bursting with joy and excitement at the opportunity that people are beginning to reclaim some of these spiritual practices. And they said, I will never do that, or I will never do that again. So when people come to this church and, and start to 
reclaim their spiritual practices, become a part of a community again of people that are, are, come from a world of faith like we do, it's a big deal. Like a huge deal. Every once in a while, my eight-year-old says, it's a big freaking deal. And I say, don't say freaking. She just rolls her eyes. <laughs> That's why I'm not doing parenting classes. All right, so. That's a big freaking deal. When people actually come to a place where they go, I am going to trust again. I'm going to take back some of this stuff. Nobody, nobody has the right and the power to take prayer away from me. Nobody has the right to take church attendance away from me. No one has the right to keep me out. Do you understand that, that by, keeping, by, by, by somebody being so abused, and I get it, but someone being so abused that they go, I will never walk into a church again. First of all, my God, we've got to like, realize that is happening all the time, and it is horrible. But also... The fact that now that person has become so powerful in your life, and it might be 10 years later, that they still have the power to keep you away from maybe walking into a church like Harvest. Where the weirder you are, the more we love you. It's true. We just, we tolerate you normies, all right? Just kidding. It's not nice. And if you think you're normal here and that I just insulted you, you're not, all right? And I'll give you a paragraph of why you're not normal, okay? First is you listen to me every week, so that's not normal. Uh, no, we, we, how many people are still allowing that power and control over their life to keep them from doing something that would be a great asset and blessing to them? Like, I think... If you're watching online, this is for you. I think anyone who walks in here and you guys become their extended family is really lucky. Like, really lucky. That's one of the things I get a lot from people is everyone was so friendly. People were smiling and drinking coffee and shaking hands and laughing when I walked in. It's like, yep, that's... That's a, this is a great group of people to be a part of. And, and people are missing out. Allowing something from their past to hold them back from this. You guys are amazing. We do, we do. <laughs> is it getting old me telling you how amazing you are? Like, we do. We're so amazing. No, you are. I, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just mess with a couple people real quick just for the fun of it. But you guys, um, you don't have to do anything. Yeah you, yeah, you too. Like, anyone that comes here and gets to know you too, it's like, if I hear that you guys went out with somebody to dinner and I wasn't included, it's, it's not FOMO, it's, it's deeper than that. Like anyone that has uh, you know, a chance to do something like that with you two are just unbelievable people. Norm, Karen, I can't even tell you how much Norm has endured to keep staying here at Harvest. <laughs> I won't get into it all. But this is, this is like, these are like, these are some of the most decent human beings you'll ever meet in your life. Denise, 
I gotta go run the room and tell everybody why they're great. Otherwise, someone's be like, "You didn't call me out, Denise." I mean, she's given her life for a couple of decades to the um, impoverished and really a third world nation. Like, she's incredible. Well, Michael plays the piano on Sunday mornings. You guys enjoyed that, but he's just an incredible human being. We have so many wonderful people here. If you're watching, I'm not, not you. If you have to point to yourself, it's probably not you. Jeez, we'll get back to that, okay? Um, I want to wrap this up because I want to get you guys home, but this is an incredible family here. But we, we, have, to, we have to call it what it is. People have been not just hurt, they've been abused. And we've got to help them, and maybe you're in this room and you need that, separate the difference between who God really is versus how God's been represented. And we have to let people have the freedom in the room to recover their power. That felt so powerless maybe for, for years. And we have to be a place where people can safely, safely reclaim some of these spiritual practices that are important to them. So as I'm learning to use a little bit of different language when I speak and communicate, when we're changing some of the language on our website, when we're maybe putting posts out that seem a little bit different than the past, all of that's around the idea of creating a safe space for people to come back, to experience God, some of them for the first time, and to reclaim some of these spiritual practices without them feeling like the other shoe's going to drop and what hurt them before is going to hurt them again. That's what our heart is. It's not to be cool. It's not to be like, what do they say, woke. Isn't that the term, woke? I'm going to give you a little history lesson. Woke. No, I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> woke is a good thing, not a bad thing. And it was actually used by um, an African-American songwriter back after one of their own was brutally beaten and hung from a tree. And he wrote a song to the rest of his community and told them, y'all need to stay woke. Now we've hijacked that term to make it a negative thing when it was originally intended in the community for them to communicate with one another, to stay vigilant and aware because some of their own were being unjustly killed. So it's sick, especially, listen to me, as white people, that we've now taken that term and made it a negative thing when at the end of the day the only reason that people need to stay woke is because they were being killed unjustly. Do you hear me, church? Tell all your friends it's a good thing to be woke. Staying woke means we won't let injustice go by on our, come on, we're not going to stay blind to it. We're going to be aware when there's injustice being done. And remember, the world is hung on two things, truth and justice. The world spins on the axis of truth and justice. So if we're not carrying out justice and staying, quote unquote, woke, we're not actually carrying out the mission of Jesus. Do you hear me? That's rabbit hole number 16, but I'm telling you, that's actually not a bad term. It's a good term. Anything else is just a misconstrued of it, being misconstrued. 
misinterpretation. But yeah, we're a woke church. We are a woke church. I knew it. Somebody all like, I knew it. I knew it. Billy, I told you those people are woke. Yeah, we're woke. We're so woke that any injustice being done in our community, we're going to be there and we're going to be loud about it and we're going to welcome people into the kingdom of God because at the end of the day, we want people to recover and heal from any abuse or hurt they've experienced. And if we have to be the woke church, we'll be the woke church. Okay? Do you hear me today, church? Come on. Will you stand up with me? I think Pastor Dan made that up. Look it up. First time that term was used in literature or anything. Look it up. I wish I remembered the guy's name, but yeah, look it up. Yes, woke and don't turn a blind eye. And you're going to embrace our differences with us today. All right, that's a good combination right there. Y'all handle this today? Good. Um, please, 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 not so that we can get views, we don't get anything out of it. Please share this with people that need to hear it. Tag them in our video on Facebook, send it to them, send them the podcast. Every single one of us know people that have walked away from the church. Our goal is simply to just maybe put a little seed in their mind. Just maybe, maybe they can trust again and come back. So send it to somebody. We'd love for you to do that and, and help us and just bring healing to people that need it. Cool? Can we pray today? I love your shirt. It's good seeing you. Yay, I love that. I'm starting to turn to my dad now. Okay. Just randomly saying hi to people. Okay, I got to stop doing that, but I do like that shirt. All right, let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you today for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for a word of healing and wholeness that we can bring. Every single one of us needs to hear this in some capacity. And uh, we've, some of us have been a part of the problem, including myself. God, we are determined to know better and to do better. And we are determined to stay alert for people that are walking through the doors that we have no idea what they've experienced and endured. See you next week.